Fantastic. All right. Welcome to Enter the Critic. Uh, my name is Chris Klump. Uh, with me is Matt Schaefer. And uh, we're going to spend the next hour talking about uh, a couple films we saw this week. Uh, Bullet to the Head, Sly Stallone's latest attempt at being relevant. Warm Bodies. So hard. And the Steven Soderbergh sleeper hit uh, Haywire on our Netflix review. That was a really, really big sleeper hit because I... Almost fell asleep watching. Ouch! It. Really? No, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. This okay. Is, it was okay. All right. Before we uh, before we start with all that, I just wanted to go over some uh, some news here. Looks like J.J. Abrams and Valve are teaming up to do either a Half Life or a Portal movie. Either or, they haven't well, decided they, they, yet. They haven't decided yet. No. Um, they should they should go with Half Life. It's got think? a much more well. Okay, if they go with Half-Life, it's got more of like a cinematic story behind it, I feel like. Portal's more about just like the interaction in the game. The story kind of is like a secondary thing. Some yeah. people might disagree, but... No, On the I other hand, though, Half-Life could really disappoint people. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, especially with the fact that who would play Gordon Freeman other than Hugh Laurie, who is too old now for the role, but um, looks exactly like Gordon Freeman? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the hateful part of me wanted to say Rob Schneider. Ouch! I don't know why. Rob Schneider. No, I don't. I don't. I don't know about that. I mean, that. he's been in similar scenarios. He was turned into a woman and turned into an animal. Gordon Freeman travels throughout the multiverse. I feel like there's some similar themes there. <laughs> he would have a lot to bring to the role. Yeah, I. I no, I'm not seeing that at all. No. Well, you're probably right. That's also, also the hard part with a Half-Life uh, movie is the fact that Gordon never speaks once in any of the games. No, that's fine. So it's just going to be a lot of physical comedy. <laughs> like, you see it as what you doing there, Gordon? You just see, you see it as like a uh, like a wacky comedy. Yeah, I mean, I think instead of overthrowing the uh, what are they called? What's the force? The alien force. The Combine. The Combine, right, yes. I think instead of, you know, overthrowing them by means of, like, weaponry and coordinated attacks, it could just be a lot of, like, pinpoint pie throwing. <laughs> just to really ring in that visual comedy element. Yeah, that, 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 would, be, that would be different. It's really time that pie throwing becomes an, a staple again of American cinema. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. No, I'd, I'd, I I would love to see a Half-Life movie simply because the storyline to Half-Life 1 and 2 is like really uh, rich. It is rich. D- despite the fact that Gordon never speaks once, uh, there's a lot of storyline going on outside of him. And I think it would be interesting in the fact that at this point, J.J. Abrams, in my eyes, can practically do no wrong. And, and apparently every studio in America thinks that because they are making him direct every Everything. franchise. Ever. Yeah, I don't know when he's going to have time to do this. What with, you know, I mean, Star, Star Trek's obviously done, but he's doing a Star Wars. And now he's doing half- the Star movies. Yeah, he's, do, he's doing all the Star movies uh, and possibly a Half-Life or Portal movie. What was the uh, movie from the eight? The Star movies from movie from the 80s. It was really cheesy. And Starman? 
Not Starman. The last Starfighter. Oh, you thought I, that was cheesy? Because it was. I, it but was I, I cheesy. I still enjoyed it thoroughly. I'm, you know, I hope they give that to him, too. I'd like to see what he can do with that. I, I heard somewhere they're, they're thinking of uh, redoing that because Hollywood's Wait, out of ideas. Yeah. Of course, of course. I mean, I know they're out of it. Okay. <laughs> they're they're redoing everything. Why not? By the way, can I just establish myself as the everyman of this podcast? Chris is the one who's going to remember all the names of movies and actors, and I'm going to sit here and like, whenever a topic comes up, I'll be like, "Hey, you remember that guy from that one movie? You know, you know the movie you know where the there guy? was a lot of like good dialogue and yeah, that guy." That that's going to be my contribution to this podcast. That, that's why I asked you to join me, right? Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I fill the, the the void of all those people out there who who just can't remember anything and might have Alzheimer's. That's what that's what the internet's for. Yeah, I, I don't remember nearly as much as I'd like to pretend. I just always have access to my phone. You constantly have a laptop in front of you. Oh, constantly. Some other news here. It looks like uh, Brian Cranston has signed up. To do another Godzilla film, mm. written by Frank Darabont mm. of uh, Walking Dead fame, mm. and I, I don't know how I feel about this. Well, I mean, it could be really cool if they combine thematic elements of like the Shawshank Redemption with Godzilla. <laughs> could be a thing like a like Godzilla's framed. You know, for being a giant monster that yeah, destroys okay, cities, sure. and he kind of like sets out to prove he's more than that. That's it's really hard to frame someone destroying a city because yeah. you're destroying. I a city. I think the twist would be that he actually does do all those things, <laughs> <laughs> and in the end, everyone's just kind of like, "Yeah, he really is." You know, a giant monster. I mean, he he tried to make us think otherwise, but. He he definitely destroyed some of our cities, and, and we should probably not trust him. I'm just confused as to why we're doing another American, another Godzilla film. An American Godzilla film. Yeah, because the, ni- the 1998 Godzilla film was considered the worst movie that year, and also considered one of the worst Godzilla films of all time. <laughs> and that's saying a lot. Really, I feel like that has to be hard. I mean, you've like seen you a lot strive. of them. Uh, actually, no, I've only seen three of them. Oh, I thought you set out to watch all of them. I point. didn't get very far. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's, that's a I, testament to how bad they got. No, the and first a very one, rapid don't rate. get me wrong, the first one's really good, It's it, especially okay. if you look at the history and what it's saying at the time. and The, the first one's very good. Okay. The second one is rough, and it it really felt like they were, oh, Godzilla made a lot of money. Crank out a second one. Well, we don't have a story. Eh, that's that's no big deal. Wow. So it's not even like a scenario with a lot of like franchises where like it's slowly starts getting worse and worse. No, it's just no, like no. you're you're feeling it right out of the gate. It's like immediate first downfall. one's fantastic. Second one. Eh. No, I I know some people really love the Godzilla films, and I I mean I can appreciate them, but they're just not. But none Not of them me. have have love in their heart for the uh, the American 1998 version. I don't know any. I've never met anyone who would love the 1998. I want to meet that person. I want to meet the person whose whose favorite film is the 1998 Godzilla. Oh, that's. I want to. I want to be a friend with that person. What? What's that, Parker? You saw it in theaters. 
Poor, poor man. Parker Lindstrom, by the way, is our producer. He'll be adding wonderful insight every now and then. and Every, every, every now and then. And walking away <laughs> as I'm talking about him. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he didn't want to be <laughs> mentioned. But, now, that, but on the other hand, Brian Cranston is just amazing. And, and anything he does. He's really locked in the... Uh, the military man role in some oh, absolutely. Of his movies. Um, I went back recently and watched Saving Private Ryan, and he was there as like the one-armed colonel. I really, yeah, yeah. It's, it has been a long time. It's a small role, him. but I was like, wow, he's, um, he's locking it down. I can remember just knowing him as just the dad on Malcolm in the Middle, and not caring, thinking this guy's going, you know, he's sticking to TV. He's doing the David Duchovny thing. Really? I mean, all I could think during that show was, I wonder how much meth this guy can make. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch the show very often. I just remember seeing yeah. him and thinking, eh, okay. Lately, I mean, damn. Drive was, fan- you know, he was fantastic in Drive. Yeah. He was fantastic in Argo. Mm-hmm. Um, even though Total Recall was mediocre and boring, he was, he was in great in Total yeah. Recall. That's good. I don't know how it's going to work. I, I, I don't know what can be done with a Godzilla now is, script. Is, is he going to play Godzilla? Oh, now there's an idea. Because if that's the case, you know, sign me up. Because I'm all for Godzilla interpreted as, you know, a, a crotchety driven man who, who will do anything to save his family. <laughs> which <laughs> I assume will be a family of other Godzilla-like creatures. What? Uh, no, no, no. Now I'm now I'm thinking because I, I I don't know very much about Breaking Bad. But what if this is a tie-in to Breaking Bad, and somehow they come to him to like cook up some kind of meth weapon? Yeah. Against or <laughs> or no, just just make meth. Like, because what's a better way to destroy you know anyone than through the the, the crippling addiction of hardcore drugs? There you go. <laughs> It's a, it's a valid it's a valid thought, it's, it's, Chris. It, it's the long term war against mm-hmm. Godzilla. First, we'll get him hooked. The, the, then we'll take it away from the him. war against drugs becomes the war against Godzilla. Godzilla. Oh, no. We once thought that our enemy was drugs. We were wrong. Our enemy was Godzilla. <laughs> oh no. Uh, this is an awful, awful idea. My God. And someone will probably make it next year, and it'll be put out um, straight to uh, uh, DVD via Asylum Studios. <laughs> so No, that'll be Gordzilla. Gordzilla, yes, yes. And some, some confused dad will just be like, ah, oh, these kids are bugging me about this Godzilla I, film. This is close enough. I can't I'll believe this is on DVD already. Right, I yeah. saw it. That it was in theaters today. We're really cranking them out quick. Man, it's only five ninety nine at Walmart. <laughs> done and done. Oh, my. All right, more Star Trek news, because I love me some Star Trek. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch's villain is revealed. Wait, really? Maybe. Oh. They're not sure. Okay. But, so, apparently it was leaked through um, the uh, 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 cover title that uh, had both Chris Pine's name on it and Benedict Cumberbatch, and it just said Khan and Kirk. Oh. So maybe Benedict Cumberbatch is playing Khan. Maybe not. I mean, everyone's been thinking about this since they 
saw Benedict Cumberbatch. I'm just on going the set. to assume at this point that he is. But I don't want I mean, him to be. You don't? I mean, no. I don't. No. I'm not the Star Trek guru, so I don't. Uh, what, what's your reasoning for him not being Khan? Because Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, was just so good. That so. in my eyes, it almost killed the franchise because it was so good. <laughs> because you looked at all the other movies and you were like, these are really shitty in comparison. I mean, you had, you had, you had starts with the motion picture where the bad guy was the, uh, uh, a cloud and an old space an old probe. Spa- yeah, like Voyager or something Voyager like that. Voyager 6. And not, not even like Star Trek Voyager, like America's yeah, Voyager. Very, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's kind of lame. And then you go from that to Khan, a man who single-handedly nearly kills Kirk twice, nearly destroys the Enterprise twice, and yep. breaks out of a planet. Like, they, they maroon him on a planet, and he somehow breaks out. Like, that's so badass. Yeah. And re- he's played by Ricardo Montalban, and that man just exudes just manliness. Um, no, I, I get where you're coming from. So then you go to the other Star Treks, and what are the bad guys there? A Klingon played by Christopher Lloyd, some weird space probe that wants to kidnap whales, Mark Twain as God, and then, like, space Russians. Like, it's... I don't know. All you, the other bad guys a, pale in comparison to I think you got a pretty Khan. good pantheon going there for, like, a really fun episode of scooby-doo <laughs> yeah but like that they don't they're not really menacing yeah so no i agree but you know i have a saying chris and it goes go big or go home uh yeah copyright matt schaefer <laughs> um and you know if you want to make a really good star trek movie go go for the best baby yeah, but there are so. And you know many... they're going to be taking elements from the older movies. Oh no, I'm and, and I'm okay, I'm okay with them taking elements from the original series, but there are other bad guys. Like I wanted him to be Charlie Mitchell, who was one of the antagonists of, I think the third episode of Star Trek, where they cross this. Like most Star Trek episodes, they cross some weird thing. Yeah, it makes the ship rock back and forth, and suddenly this guy becomes. Uh, an ESP god, and he can just see everything, and he has power, like he has telekinesis and all this stuff, he can move things with his mind, and he nearly destroys the ship, and it's really creepy, and it's really badass. So I was like, I want that guy. I want want Cumberbatch to play him. From the limited screen time that we've seen of him, it does seem like he has some sort of power of some mm-hmm. sort yeah like he's flying which all makes, over the yeah place which and... makes me think not con because con you know was i guess kind of a superhuman but not just in just to the extent of like almost like a captain america type figure like right. he was just yeah enhanced he mm-hmm. wasn't really he yeah. didn't have you know telekinesis or anything he was like he was still a human yeah. just altered through selected breeding right and i know way too much about this <laughs> subject <laughs> well Chris is going heavy into Star Trek. Better move on. Yep, because uh, this is going to come into a Star Trek podcast <laughs> real fast if we don't move on. Welcome to the podcast formerly known as Enter the Critic, now Star Trek with Chris. <laughs> Just start generic Star Trek podcast. Star Trek with Chris. So on to our uh, feature films, our feature Ooh. presentation. So you saw Warm Bodies. I did. A, uh, a Ram zombie Zom- Rom-com, I don't even know how to describe this Rom-zom-com. Rom-zom-com. Slash Shakespeare. Really? 
Yes. Okay. Uh, so t- tell tell us about it. What would you think? Warm Bodies is the first great movie of 2013. Really? I say that without hesitation and without having seen any other movie <laughs> this year. <laughs> so so, so it's, it's a solid run in. Okay. But, you know, I, I'm just going to assume that the other ones that have... What, what's Come on, what's the other big titles that have come out this year? Well, I saw Bullet to the Head. You saw Bullet to the Head. It's better than that. <laughs> well, yeah. I'll say, <laughs> I'll say that without seeing I haven't it. seen Warm Bodies, but I'm pretty um, sure I can grant that. I mean, I, I can't think of anything that's really big that's come out this year that's... What's then great again, about it is January, and this is when the studios roll right. out there. Ah, fuck you! Yeah, like Just we don't, we don't care. Here you go. Here's this thing that we did. I hope you like yeah. it. Yeah, we're we're hoping to make it some money on this. Which but whatever. Which maybe is why I loved Warm Body so much, because there's kind of a lot going against it in like expectations. I guess, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, you, you have the way it was marketed, which was hey. You like Twilight? <laughs> Here's Twilight with zombies. And and a lot of people did sort of like, you know, count it out because of that. And that and the whole zombie thing is kind of pe- like yeah. we've already I mean already the idea right. We moved on, you know. That is that is exactly true. Even the idea of like a zombie movie itself has become so saturated even in like, you know, mainstream cinema, zombies have become such a thing. Uh but that's why the movie's so great. Because first of all, the only thing it has in common with Twilight is the fact that there's, you know, a supernatural whatever theme or a horror theme, and then it's meshed with a love story. But beyond that, it is a much better crafted film. Now, is it a? Because I, I I've not seen it obviously, so is it just one zombie or or like is this the beginning no, of a zombie apocalypse or or <clears throat> how, you you go based? in the film begins like in the zombie apocalypse like it's well underway it's basically at its so we're talking uh, we're like talking dawn of the dead phase we're talking like land of the dead phase oh okay because all that's left of humanity are just little pockets basically ah, okay uh, they don't necessarily flesh out how many humans are left but the only humans we encounter in the film are in sort of a small city that's been walled off okay and the way that it approaches zombie mythology is something that could potentially like upset fans that are just like these aren't the way zombies are supposed to be but those are the kind of people that are going to kill the idea of zombies in movies because much, you yeah. can't keep doing the same idea over and we over can't again just and expect keep to be remaking romero films yeah. And, no. and being happy with that. It's not exactly. going to work. Um, because the the mythology b- behind this film is that zombies, or at least some of them, are still people. They still have thoughts. They, they still ruminate about things. The problem is they sort of have, not to be too insensitive, but a, like a very advanced um, cerebral palsy, I guess you could say. Okay. Because they, they don't really... They aren't able to control anything that they do. They can't communicate with each other, certainly not with humans, and they are driven by the insatiable need to feed, which is explained in this movie as sort of like a psychological thing in and of itself because when they feed on brains, they get to experience the memories of those that they're feeding on. This is already way more thought put into the script than I thought there was going to be by the marketing because the marketing literally was just like, hey, zombies and romance. (laughs) Well, and again, it's 
I didn't mention this, but it's based off of a book which I have not read, but I have heard uh, is a very, you know, a very well thought out sort of zombie fiction that just happens to be also, you know, very romance driven. And so, not with not going into it too much, the main character whose name is R for Romeo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, he begins to fall in love with this chick which sort of starts bringing about more dramatic changes and basically throughout the film we see his like transformation as he like slowly develops more and more humanity Hmm. from his zombiehood to draw more parallels to the whole Romeo and Juliet thing the his main buddy is named M they're only given the first letters of their name because they can't remember their names they can only remember like Uh, okay um but that he is played by rob cordry and the whole m i guess is to uh bring to mind mercutio from Romeo and juliet the uh the actress that plays is it julia it's julie julie's the other girl so juliet etc and there's lots of different parallels like that but yeah i was really impressed with the movie not just because it has a good story, but also because it has a lot of really good physical comedy. Um, both from Rob Corddry and and R, who is played by Nicholas Holt, mm-hmm. who I believe was in X-Men First Class. He played Beast in X-Men First Class. He was in About a Boy all the way back in 2002. So... And he does a really good job as well. He's pretty funny. He's not at all... I guess one of the other things that really separates it from like the Twilight franchise is the fact that you like the actors. <laughs> you... Do they actually enunciate? Also, uh, a quick tidbit that I just discovered is yeah. uh, her best friend, Nora. Who is, is like the nurse. nurse. Yeah. And she is a nurse. Right. She wants to be a nurse. Or she's like a medic, I guess you could say. Right. So yeah, I would highly recommend it. Definitely go in with like an open mind if you're someone that thinks that all zombie films need to be like the copious amounts thing. of gore and like super serious. You're not going to enjoy it. I would say if you're someone that really enjoyed the movie, shoot, what's it called? Fido. You will enjoy this. Oh, okay. Because it, it's, you know, not that Fido is like a romance movie, but it kind kind of takes the whole, you know, zombie mythos and makes it fun and feel good. Like, it's not something that wants to de- depress the shit out of you. Right, right. It has, like, you know, a good a good message to it. It has, like, legit, like, cutesy romance. So <laughs> if you're if you're desperate to find a date movie that you won't hate, you won't hate, it's a really good one. Huh. Despite okay. the fact that I saw it with two other guys. Well, you know, <laughs> that's not necessarily a bad thing. In short, I give it. No, 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 no. We're not. We're not. Doing we're not doing ratings. <laughs> not doing ratings. What are Come you, on. Insane? I need to. I need to quantize things. Uh, yeah, I guess. I guess if you feel the need, go right Listen, ahead. Listen, you don't need to do ratings. I'm going to rate everything, and I'm going to do it on an arbitrary scale. You should do, and every time it should be a different scale. Well, yeah, like that's what I was going to say. I'm going to say, um, it it gets six six disembodied, <laughs> um, kisses, out of seven. Okay. All right, well, that's that's. I'm not sure what a disembodied kiss would be. I was, about to say, I was picturing I was really. I was picturing like a, you know someone kissing like a zombie head. That doesn't even happen in the movie. Sorry, 
So. Okay. <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> nah, that doesn't spoiler alert. That doesn't happen in the movie. All right. Well, I saw... I don't even know where to begin with this film. I saw a bullet <laughs> you, to the even head. the name. <laughs> I saw a bullet there. I, I, you know, I, I, I saw a bullet to the head. And ugh. this film you stars it, from, from uh, what it sounds like. Sylvester Stallone and Christian Slater, Jason Momoa from uh, Game of Thrones fame. Oh, okay. Which character? Cal Drogo. Oh, okay. Which I cannot unsee him. Like, the moment he comes on screen, I'm like, oh, it's Cal Drogo. Cool. Is he going to ride a horse? Is he going to, like, <laughs> cut someone in half with his gigantic Khaleesi. knife? Yeah. Is he going to just make one-word sentences? And, <laughs> uh. and uh, the, the the other star of the film is uh, a gentleman that I'd never heard of before named um, Sung Kang? Sung Kang? That sounds about right. So, I start watching this film, and I'm jotting down notes in my notepad, because I'm weird. (laughs) And as I'm doing that, I miss the first section that that, that is showing all the the credits. So, I miss who directs the film, because I'm too busy taking note of the fact that the beginning montage feels like a really terrible Guy Ritchie film. It felt like someone just watched Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and went, hey, we can do that. Let's try that. I think that's what Guy Ritchie did while he was with Madonna. He watched his older movies and he was like, I can do that again. Yep, why not? So I I missed who directed the film at first. And so I'm watching the film, and the whole time, all I keep thinking about is this film feels and looks exactly like 48 Hours, Hmm. except no one is funny and no one's likable. Now, is Sylvester Stallone... Was that Nick Nolte? That was Nick 40? Nolte. Is Sylvester Stallone Nick Nolte? Yeah. It, okay. Well, the, the roles would be reversed. Instead oh, okay. of the old cop and the young uh, criminal, it's a young cop and an old criminal. Sylvester okay. Stallone plays an aged uh, hitman in New Orleans whose partner dies. Okay. And then he meets a cop whose partner was also killed. They team up uh, in this kind of shaky alliance to figure out who is killing, who killed their partners, because they figure out they have the, a common uh, person that killed uh, their partners. At that point, the movie kind of goes off the rails as far as making any sense. Okay. Uh, because it just stops right there. <laughs> it ends there. <laughs> I wish. No, at at that point, it just becomes, again, very much like 48 Hours, where in 48 Hours, Nick Nolte was making a lot of racist comments towards Eddie Murphy. Sylvester Stallone is making a ton of racist comments to Song Kang, who is a, a Korean gentleman. Okay. And unlike 48 Hours, where Nick Nolte's character gets respect for Eddie Murphy... So much Sloan just stays a racist dick and okay. never learns anything. And most of the movie is them just driving around New Orleans in this car while the cop is looking on his cell phone trying to like figure out their next move thanks to Google. Uh, he just keeps using the search engine to find... But they actually show that it is Google. They mention it. Well, that's... Uh, okay. Christian Slater that's mentions good. that. So it's not like Netscape or no, Ask no, Jeeves or something no, like that. No. They're not rocking Alta Vista or anything. Well, that's no. one thing to the movie's credit, <laughs> that they're actually using search engines that people use. 
The movie felt incredibly dated. It felt like someone tried to take an 80s action film and move it to now. So every once in a while, they, they kind of slip in, like the cell phone or a flash drive, like, hey, here's technology that we have today. <laughs> so this is not, just to remind not you. taking place in 1984. So, again, I'm just watching it, and I'm thinking, oh, it's just like 48 Hours. It's really depressing because 48 Hours was so much better. I, I can't believe whoever directed this did, did a terrible job. And then it comes up at the very end of the movie. I see the director's credit. Walter Hill, the director of 48 Hours, directed this film. So it's almost like he just decided to do a parody of his, of, of his much more successful film yeah. and just did a terrible job of it. The storyline is needlessly complicated. They go from one bad guy to another. None of the antagonists' motivations are clear. Because at one point, you're, you're following Jason Momoa, who plays a hitman, who is sent to kill Sylvester Stallone and his partner. Sylvester Stallone gets away. Uh, then you meet Christian Slater, who is one of the the, the head bad guy's uh, lawyer, who mm. is throwing a party at his house. They just show up at his house, and suddenly I'm thrown into an eyes wide shut sex party. <laughs> that it's just it's just there <laughs> for no reason. It's suddenly eyes wide shut, just without all the cool camera angles. It's very, very bizarre. And all of yeah, them... that that does not seem like something that should be in a movie called Bullet, Bullet to, the, to Head, the Head, starring Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, um, and all both of them work for a gentleman named Robert Morla, is the character's name, played by Adewai. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce the last name. <laughs> Someone we don't He's, care uh, about. Echo from Lost. Oh, okay. I do care about him. That's a shame. This guy, the the the, the character. Seems like he came right out of an a seventies Bond film. He seems like okay. an old Bond villain. Well, now you're talking my language. He he is um, from from South Africa, so he has mm-hmm. a, a peculiar accent that isn't right. We're not used to hearing in in, in which I think America. he might actually be. Uh, I, I read South he was Africa? born in London. Oh. The, the actor. Well, okay. <laughs> he may have grown up in South Africa. I don't know. I don't know that I've actually ever heard him talk. Outside of like his characters, ah. so like most Bond villains, he has a peculiar accent. For no reason, they don't mention, they don't talk about it at all. He walks with two canes, like nope. he just sh- okay. shambles around with two canes, and they don't bring it up at all. So, like most Bond villains, he has this strange handicap that nobody talks about and serves no purpose for the story. And his only goal in the whole film that I could come up with is he is buying up old real estate around new orleans he's going to demolish it and turn it into condos and my first thought was you can do that without hiring like (laughs) ex green beret hit squads like you don't need you don't need to hire hitmen for that all you need is a good lawyer and money i love movies that take seemingly non-violent enterprises and just makes them like a crime syndicate scenario this movie has so many unintentionally funny parts that i think i really disturbed the people around me in the theater because i was the only one laughing yeah um at one point stallone who is narrating the film goes through his past and and states that he's been in jail like five times and then it shows all these mug shots of of him at different ages Mm. all of them are from different films that he's been in so one of them was 
I think Rocky. Another was Cobra. Like they would just go through <laughs> different <laughs> films and like, yeah, get that one. That's good. Yeah, Rambo Part Two, beautiful. No one's seen that. We'll just get that picture. How could um, they do that? Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, it, it, that and that part again was 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 pretty funny. The other parts that were, <laughs> I, I again, I, I just laughed out loud. Uh, during the one big showdown between uh, uh, Jason Momoa and Stallone, they decide because they're honorable hitmen to mm-hmm. just throw their guns away for no reason and fight hand to hand because in the middle of this burned out scene. warehouse. <laughs> Momoa throws him a fireman's axe and then busts out with like axe martial arts like he's twirling it around like a baton <laughs> he's spinning it around his head he bends over spins it around his back I, I don't know if you saw the trailer to um abraham lincoln vampire hunter yeah but you know that trailer where they're spinning the axe right. around that's exactly what it looked like except it was meant to be serious was... and i couldn't stop laughing because of how ridiculous it was axe kata yeah, exactly. It's an axe kata. Yeah, exactly. They're just they're just like going into town uh, with these axes. Now, did Sly Stallone get to spin anything in like martial fervor? I don't think Stallone could spin anything physically. I don't think he has the manual. I don't dexterity. think he can spin. No, <laughs> at this that was point. another thing. His age is really apparent. Oh yeah. my god, yes. Because take something like Expendables too, where most of the action scenes are just gunfights, right? So there doesn't need to be a lot of choreographing there. They actually tried to choreograph like hand-to-hand fight scenes, and it's done terribly. It's all done through shaky cam, a lot of quick cuts, which really shows that they were. Like, oh, we, we don't have. We don't not. We do not have more than five seconds of usable footage. <laughs> so we're just gonna <laughs> slam these together, and we'll make a scene that way. We'll, we'll get it in editing, kid. Don't worry about it. It it was it was really really rough to watch Stallone try to fight guys, you know, 20 or 30 years his senior. So this movie was... junior, rather. This movie was basically just an unfortunate example of an old man making an action movie. Yeah. In short. Which, you know, he has... He's been old for what seems like a decade now, and he's done good action films in that time. Right, right. But this is one where it just sort of shines through. Yeah, oh yeah, this is definitely where it's like, it's time to hang it up, or not do hand-to-hand. Right. Like I said, nobody was likable. The the young cop named uh, Tyler Kwong was just dumb. I Mm. mean, just dumb. He was like, he he would talk to a a cop, and I'm thinking, that cop is obviously on the take, he's going to try to kill you. Ten minutes later, that cop tells him, hey, I'm on the take, and now I'm going to kill you. (laughs) It, 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 It was, it was... Very predictable, even though the main plot didn't make any sense. Yeah. It was still like, well, we're going with this route. Okay. So, uh, and they kept making references to this um, whiskey, I guess because they needed the word bullet in somewhere in there, because it's called bullet to the head. Wait, 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 wait. So, nobody ever gets a bullet to the head? Not on screen that I can remember. What? Not that I can remember. You no. call the movie Bullet to the Head and nobody gets shot in the head? Now, I could be wrong, 
because towards the end of the movie, I was just so perplexed and bored <laughs> that I may have missed it. But the, o- the only references to Bullet to the Head is during the third standoff between Stallone and Kang. <laughs> Are showing us a picture? <laughs> yes. That, that is pretty much exactly right. That is <laughs> picture of him and Jason Momoa going to town. But no, they, they, have, they, they keep having these standoffs because the cop wants to do things by the book and expects Stallone, a hitman and criminal, yeah. <laughs> to do things by the book. So they keep having this period where they'll sit in the car, they'll cocky the piece, you know, each other's guns, and they'll just point at each other. Whoa. There was a scene where they cocked each other's guns? Wait. <laughs> hey, you know, he's... We're, we're... No, I'm not saying the man's not ripped, but the Parker's is... Parker's showing his pictures of... Yes. I do love the fact that he does kind of look like uh, he looked like in Judge Dredd with that haircut. <laughs> his head's very square. Well, that's always a good thing. But no, so so they always have these standoffs, and Stallone makes the point to say, unless you're going to put a bullet to the head, I'm not going to stop, because I got to get oh, revenge gosh. for my partner. Oh. And I'm like, that's okay. And that's in the middle of the movie. And that's it. <laughs> oh, sly. But by the end of the film... Nobody nobody learns anything. Nobody comes out of it. Like, again, un- unlike what made 48 Hours great, right. where at the end they learn to work together and they solve this crime, at the end they just kind of stumble upon the bad guys. Things kind of work out their way. Stallone buys a Ferrari and drives off, and literally that's the credits. <laughs> it's And he awful. remains like a bigot. He remains like a, just a racist dickbag. So... <laughs> It's so ridiculous. So, from what I've learned about this movie, it's basically Gran Torino. <laughs> if, if Clint Eastwood was like three times as big and then never learns a lesson. <laughs> never learns a lesson. <laughs> and then just goes around just beating the crap out it's of like, people. Fuck you, I still hate Asians. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get in my car and drive away. Ugh. It's so it's so terrible. Okay. No, I would not recommend this movie at all. It's... It, and that's what was really sad was I thought maybe it would be ridiculous but decent like yeah. the expendable like expendables 2 I thought was ridiculous and stupid right. but, but fun. still absolutely yeah fun. and still enjoyable still fun but at the end of the day you get nothing out of it right it's not um, the good kind of ridiculous it's the kind of I'm wasting my time yeah, ridiculous yeah. but I didn't hate it as much as say like like last year I watched savages and I got physically just repulsed by that movie and just so enraged that I spent money on it. Okay. This movie was just me walking out of the theater going, uh. <laughs> eh. um, now the one thing I, I do, I, I, I occasionally do when I go to the films is I will sit and if I'm bored with a movie, I will look around me and see who's watching this film with great intent. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that it was, it was me an incredibly old man. Um, now, these are the people that are watching it, like, intensely? Yeah. Okay. Like, they're just really... And then nothing but some, like, Mennonite good old boys. <laughs> they were digging it? They were loving it. Wow. They were eating this up. Every every bad joke that Stallone told, that oh, they would erupt into laughter. Every... every uh, well, there's only two 
like bullets fired in this movie, but every time a bullet was fired, yeah, well, all right. You know, given that Mennonites do actually use axes, <laughs> I feel like they could oh, really connect oh, the to axe that scene? axe choreography. You could tell that everybody, everybody there in a like, flannel oh, shirt was like, you know, yeah, could, this is badass. I could use an axe like that <laughs> if I needed to. Oh, God. Somebody so. came onto my farm, and I stopped believing the things that I do. <laughs> Oh about pacifism there's i could the, i could shove an axe in their face there and there's something that outside of our immediate county <laughs> no one will understand what we're talking Mennonites, about come to lancaster enjoy <laughs> they will understand so if if i have to give this movie a rating how many twirling uh fire axes oh, would you give it I, out I of would, twirling fire axes i would give it i would give it Two twirling fire axes. It's not bad enough out to of, be out of out of ten. Okay. It's not bad enough wow, to be great, bad, but though. it's bad enough that I don't want to see it. Two again. out of ten is rough. Yeah, it was. It was. Again, I just remember thinking this movie doesn't need to be made. Yeah, there are so much better movies of the same genre that. Yeah, this this is just a waste. So. You know what though? We have at least one Stallone film that should come out this year. That uh, I am very excited for. And, and what's that? I'm looking up the title right now. But the reason I'm excited for it is that it also features Arnold Schwarzenegger. Really? Yeah, I guess they've been working on it. i got to find the name of it. The Tomb. The Tomb. The Tomb. I think it's something that they've been wanting to do for a while now. It's, yeah, it's supposed to come out in September. It's got uh, Stallone and Schwarzenegger working together. And, and, 50 Cent. Oh, oh, <laughs> that, snap. That's the icing on the cake right there. That, I mean, if is... the 50 Cent video games have taught me anything, it's that you're, you're in for a good time when you have him. Wow. <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio, Sam Neill, Amy Ryan. Holy crap. There's there's quite a bit of... Uh, yeah, totally. Vinnie Jones? Ooh. I'm excited it's, about yeah, this film, and I know nothing of it. Right. Man, it's probably this will be Expendables three. They're gonna be yeah, I mean more, more or less. But now we both saw Haywire. That is true. Listen, listen. Have you the the premise for this tomb? Movie. The tomb. I don't Ray know. Breslin I don't know very little about it. The world's foremost authority on structural security. After analyzing every high security prison and learning a vast array of survival skills so he can design escape-proof prisons. His skills are put to the test when he's framed and incarcerated <laughs> in a master <laughs> prison that he designed himself. <laughs> Wait, which, Wait. Ca- which actor is that? The one Stallone. That's, That's Stallone. Stallone. Okay. What is, do you know, does it mention what Arnie does? Arnold, Arnold, I'd, I'd imagine he's the cop that, like, he's he's probably the warden of the prison, and he goes in himself. Like, he's not going to sit behind no desk. Here. There's probably going to be a scene where he takes his tie off, and he's like, time to get down to business. <laughs> <laughs> he's, you, give me your gun. And he grabs a gun, and he just kicks the door. Sir, we can't let you go in there. It's too dangerous. I can handle it. <laughs> Starts blowing people I away. Was, I was, uh talking to our producer Parker the other night about how one of my favorite parts of Commando 
um, despite how homoerotic it is in nature, <laughs> is when uh, Arnold is like shirtless and is just strapping different weapons and equipment to yes. his body, and there's like different shots of like all of his like muscles as he's doing it. <laughs> I want to see an old man version of that yes. where he's like this warden, and he's like, "It's time to get down to business," and it's just like close-ups of like his flabby, you know, <laughs> stomach, and he's like strapping a belt around he's just with so a gun. Tired. And- like, it would just he be... stops halfway through to sit and relax. Like, for a I need to lose a few pounds. <laughs> I, can't, I can't fit my gun belt on anymore. This is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, he's yes, showing a gif of it. There it is. Fantastic. Okay, he is wearing a vest, I guess, during this. Yeah. Well, he was just imposing. What I was he wanted imposing to my will upon that scene. I want. Like, this would look so much better if. <laughs> Okay. But anyway, yes. But on, on to Haywire. Now, I had seen Haywire once before, and so for for this podcast, I, I uh, watched it again for a second time, and I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a kind of a spy thriller, kind of like a, a female, or at least how I took it as like a female James Bond, uh, starring MMA fighter Gina Carano. As is Ma- it Carano? I, I, is it Carano or is it Carano? Carano, maybe. I could be mispronouncing I've never it. heard her name. I've never heard it pronounced either. I've only ever read it. You she, can use your pronunciation and I'll use mine. And then yeah, that's somewhere fun. in the middle. Somewhere, somewhere we we'll, the we'll get it. Who, like I said, she is not an actress. She is an MMA fighter. And she is surrounded by large cast. Star-studded uh, cast. Yeah, incredibly star-studded cast. Like, surprisingly so for... Um, Antonio Banderas, Ian McGregor, Channing Tatum... Uh, Michael Fassbender's in it. Yeah. Bill yeah. Paxton. Bill Paxton, yes, thank you. Bill Paxton is in it. Um, yeah, like I said, surprisingly, and I think that's a, a good choice because her acting's a little rough. <laughs> well, I'll talk about it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll no, give my uh, opinion. Yeah. T- t- tell me what you thought of, of Haywire. Of Haywire itself? Yeah, I didn't, didn't particularly like it. And it's not just, you know, it's not Gina's fault, definitely, um, but she didn't help. I think my main issue with the movie is that it's going for it's going for that sort of uh, calm before the storm, like thriller action vibe, where you'll have long periods of like tense, whatever, like build up, and then you'll have these like brutal, brief scenes of action and fighting. Right, Problem right. is, in the the build up segments, for me at least it just kind of drug on and was just kind of dark and moody and and not in a good way it just kind of it just kind of got boring for me really and and especially i don't know if you noticed i'm sure you did in the a big part of the movie is she's remembering and explaining uh some of how her deal went wrong she's basically yes, a yes. she is a not a hitman but she does different uh tactical work throughout the world i i i interpret it as like she's a she's like a gun for a, a yeah. mercenary she she's basically a mercenary I, we're not meant to assume that she you know is an assassin i don't think she goes and kills people but she does you know some dirty jobs right. etc um high level almost like navy seal type jobs mm-hmm. but obviously you know for hire so part a big part of the movie is while she's explaining sort of how she got, you know, double-crossed or whatever by um, Ewan McGregor, who is her ex, ex-husband. Ex-husband, ex-boyfriend. Ex-husband, I'm not sure. who, also, who also owns the company that she works for, mm, I believe. Yeah. 
and in these segments, Soderbergh chooses to to sort of frame everything. There's mm-hmm. like a dark tint to to the to the edges of the screen. I right. thought something was wrong with my Netflix at first, really? and then okay. I, I watched an episode of um, Care Bears, and it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried. Okay. I was worried for a second. I don't think that's actually on Netflix. If it is, I'm going to watch it. But yeah, it was it was an odd choice for me. I mean, I understand that he wanted to differentiate between the present time and the past. But what it did for me is it just sort of made everything feel really dark and kind of slow, even more so than it was. And um, th- that's sort of my, my biggest issue with the movie is that everything is just sort of like a wash in this like calm where where I don't feel like we achieve the intensity that we're supposed to get hmm. with the kind of movie that it is. Uh and another you know a part of that definitely is Gina's acting. She's not a bad actress by any stretch and I think other directors can get more out of her. Like I'm interested to see what she does in uh, Fast and the Furious 6 cuz she's in that with The Rock so that should be fun. Oh of but, course. The, 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 those movies are always fun. Yeah. But um in this in this film She's she's natural in the sense that she delivers lines in in a way that doesn't feel forced or hackneyed or what have you. But the problem is she's almost too comfortable in everything that she's saying. There's not a sense of urgency, which, which a big part of acting is being able to say, okay, what would a regular person say in this scenario? I have no idea, so I'm going to use the the context and make it so. Um, and I think part of that is, if I'm not mistaken, this was her first feature. Yeah, no, film. it is. All of her lines were done over in ADR by yes, another. Yes, I had actress. heard that. The, the, yeah, they were yeah. overdubbed. Yeah, yeah, they were overdubbed. So that might be part of. And and now, what, it a second do you know time, the reasoning almost, behind that? I, I don't know the I I hadn't read why they chose to go that route. I assumed it was because this was her first acting gig and it just didn't turn out the way Soderbergh wanted it. Yeah. So I, I, that that I'm not sure. Well, that's surprising because I feel like I feel like even her facial expressions, it's not like she's doing anything completely unnatural or bad. Right. It's right. just that there's a lack of urgency that's that that needed to be there in some of the scenes. Yeah. I I and. There, there are parts of the movie that do stretch a bit. Um, I think, for instance, that um, there, there's a scene in the middle where her and Michael Fassbender go to this dinner party. Right. And they're kind of running around, spying. Or walking. Or just walking, <laughs> Walk, really. Walking yeah, okay, at a yeah, you're right. pace. There's one scene where she kind of jogs. Um, yeah. That part of the movie did get slow for me. I think I, I got up and yeah. got a cup of coffee or something. <laughs> However, what, what really... What, the the parts I loved, yeah, were the fight scenes. They are good. They're they're very well choreographed. Oh. They're very brutal. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. They <clears throat> Soderbergh apparently said that he overdubbed the voice because he wanted people to think of Carano and the character in the film as two different people. Okay. See, that's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. That sounds like, like that sounds like that's a, a disservice to her, and it's just a dumb idea. That sounds like he again. I I think what he meant to say was she just did a bad job reading her lines. And he didn't want to be too much of a dick, but in doing so, he was still a dick. (laughs) That's, like, so much worse. I don't want you to think of her as her. I want you to think of her as someone else. You mean, like, acting? Because that's what acting is. Yeah, that's exactly what acting is. (laughs) When 
I'm not actually a wizard. <laughs> I just... <laughs> some, they tell me what to say. Gandalf, you shall not pass. Goes like this. Cut. Sir Ian, Sir Ian, Sir Ian, Sir Ian. Wizard, you shall not pass. Sir Ian, Sir Ian, Sir Ian. <laughs> so, but no, I... I I, I I thought the fight scenes were great. I thought the fact that they used someone who actually knows how to fight, fight yeah. in real life was just phenomenal. No, she again comparing that to bullet to the head, where right. it's all quick cuts and shaky cam. This was at times it seemed like they just were gonna lock the camera down, right? Go to town. No, the 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 fight scenes were very good. They were very visceral. Um, it's not they're not like like a lot <clears throat> a lot of these. Um, modern spy thriller action type hybrid movies where there are like you said like quick cuts and like weird shaky cams and like the the fight choreography is almost like you know very quick specialized moves where we're meant to like assume that the agent is is so good that he can dismantle someone very quickly it's just like brutal drag them out get whatever you can to hit the guy mm-hmm. use yeah. whatever leverage you have it's 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 very every brutal. once in a while she'll use like a takedown move right or some kind of some kind of wrestling move or a fighting right move. but most of the time it's just she's grabbing shit off the wall <laughs> yeah like there's that scene where her and michael fassbender are fighting in the the hotel mm-hmm. and they just they're grabbing vases and throwing each other through glass doors right. and it's, that fight scene just goes on and it on does and it it's great. Um, yeah, I, I will say that the best thing about her performance is the fact that you are totally sold on the idea that this is a woman who can kick your ass. And, oh, absolutely! And everyone else in the movie's ass. Yeah. Um. The, that, that was one thing I took note of is she she really does even just look the part of a badass. She is a very good looking woman, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say she's. Like supermodel, gorgeous, yeah, or she's not. She's not very effeminate. She can't be. Um, She's a fighter. So yeah. So like, and and I really appreciated that compared to if they would have made this movie with say Angelina Jolie, and I'd be like, right, okay, well you're too gorgeous for this. And she, you know, you just look at her and you're like, you would be broken in a heart. Like if you were fighting a a pretty strong man, you would be. You might last a little bit, but you'd be broken. Yeah, Gina, it's not the case. Yeah, it's like no, you would you would break them. <laughs> yeah, she 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 again. There, there's one scene where she kind of goes into her very little bit of a, of a background where she tells the one officer, "I used to be a marine. I was a devil dog. I was I was in the military." Yeah. And I'm like, I totally buy that. Oh yeah, I totally buy that you were in the Absolutely. military. The parts I didn't like were the scenes with the kid when when she escapes. The, in the very beginning, yeah. she escapes in the, this kid's car, and the kid just goes along with her. She's like, give me your keys, and she throws the keys. Yeah, he's very start up and, committal about yeah, it. Yeah, he's like, all right, I guess you're you're stealing me and my brand new sports car, and I'm totally going to just, I'm fine with this. I thought that was a little forced, yeah, or not forced, just a little hard to swallow. And I thought the whole pseudo love interest between her and uh, Channing Tatum they mm-hmm. kind of allude to it a little bit. We're at like because they 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 have that where they, after they're done the job they obviously sleep together, right? Um, and then at the end of the film she kind of flashes back to that, and then like that right. gets her gets her angry. And I thought that was a little forced. That felt kind of forced. I will say though that um, the other highlight of the movie for me is the very very beginning with her and Channing Tatum, both the lead up 
two and the actual fight scene at the very oh, beginning. Oh, when he, he kind of stumbles in and he's asking the diner waitress if she has beer? That's actually, yeah, that's actually the one part of the movie where it felt very tense for me, where, like, I knew shit was going to go down. Because so... we know, we, we, by the nature of the movie, we know that Gina Carano's character is probably into some, some heavy stuff. And when Channing Tatum shows up, you know, disheveled, you just know it's not going to be good. Yeah, exactly. I especially, and again, that fight scene, it just starts out like, you know, they just hit the ground running where he just throws hot coffee in her face, oh. breaks the mug over her head, and then they're, they're at it. It's just like, how does she not have burns I know. all over her face? I was like, oh that's my a God. fresh cup of coffee. That's, oh, so like, but again, that fight scene is just so great. My other, uh, my other big complaint about the movie, which kind of goes along with what I've already said, but despite all the the star-studded cast that that you've mentioned i really like if you if i would go through the movie without knowing who's in it and not paying attention very carefully a lot of those actors would just pass me by because some of their characters were they, they, they just pretty sort of much non-existent yeah. yeah yeah like i feel like it's a waste and i mean who knows it could have been just soderberg just calling guys up hey you want to do this want to do this sure okay. want to do this sure yeah, why not I will say Michael Fassbender's really good. When is he so, not, though? It, yeah, I mean, when, when is he not Well, good? but you could say the same thing about... Um, yeah, yeah. Who else is in it? Exactly. Cause I, get, I mean, Michael Douglas, he has times where he's not as... Antonio Banderas Antonio has done Banderas some, Banderas some is, terrible stuff. Yeah. Ian McGregor did Star That's Wars. True. Yeah, even, although Ian McGregor's pretty good in it, too. He was best part of Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, but um, but I mean, Michael Fassbender, he's good in everything. That's I mean, true. I he has, hated Prometheus. He's loved Michael. He's Fassbender yet to really Prometheus. prove to us that he can be bad. So this is yet another example of that. Yeah, exactly. Like he he can be again. He can be in the uh, uh just a terrible film, Prometheus, and be amazing in it. So yeah. yeah, I agree. But no, I I didn't I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I felt the movie accomplished what it set out to do, and what it set out to do was not that complicated. It was, uh, you know, we're just going to make a spy. Despite fight the fact that movie. the story feels complicated at times, even though it's not, it's not very. Co- it but does th- they feel make it out like the the conversations and the way that, that some of the plot points are presented. It's just like, just tell me what's going on. Yeah. Don't yeah. try to be coy about don't, it. Don't, yeah, don't. Don't try to package this up in anything more than what it yeah. is. And there are times where I feel they tried that, and that was a little too mm-hmm. harsh. But no, I thought overall it was a good film. Now, I, like I said, I've seen it uh, twice now. I don't know that I'll be seeing it again anytime soon, and I certainly don't know that I'll be uh, getting it on, say, Blu-ray or right. anything like that. But for a Netflix you know, instant uh, feature it's I, I I thought it was pretty good so yep I give it uh three uh Gina Carano ADR lines out of out of five uh three three out of five huh yep. I I give it uh four um shoulder snapping leg moves that she does to Michael Fassbender <laughs> I don't even know four dislocated shoulders of Michael Fassbender of Michael Fassbender <laughs> specifically. <laughs> Um, out of out of eight. <laughs> wow, that was actually worse than my rating. <laughs> That's because I what hate a doing twist. ratings. I hate what doing a twist. ratings. Like uh, I said, you don't have to. I'll just do so. them for you. It's fine. 
I'll just gauge your opinions and then formulate it into a number. So, a uh, quick thing, Michael Fassbender, just to uh, hear your initial reaction to this that probably neither of you have known about, just to get your immediate reaction. The untitled Terrence Malick project that's coming up yeah. soon. Okay. You ready for this cast? Michael Fassbender. That's right. why I brought okay. it up. Ryan Gosling. Okay. Christian Bale. Okay. Natalie Portman. Okay. Rooney Mara. Okay. Kate Blanchett. Okay. Al Kilmer. <laughs> Okay. Del Toro. Holy crap. Okay. <laughs> the sexiest movie ever wow. made. What is the plot of this? It doesn't matter. There is so much sexiness also, on screen. Also, screen. Holly Hunter and uh, Boyd Holbrook. I don't know if you know him, but he's been in some good stuff recently. But anyway. The, uh, the plot yeah, is that it's... It says uh, intersecting love triangles... Obsession and betrayal set against the music scene in Austin, Texas. So I'm assuming oh, okay. like Austin, Texas, like South by Southwest. Right. So I don't know if it's like indie bands today because that's where everybody right. used to make it is Austin. So like Modest Mouse and <clears throat> and uh, uh, what's that other one? What's that other band? Hmm? Built a Spill? No, like the, the one, the Postal Service guy. What oh, Death Cab. Death Cab and Modest Mouse intersecting love triangles. But they're but everybody in the band is like the hottest people alive. <laughs> what if it's it's not Ben Gibbard, it's like freaking Michael what if, what if? Oh my god. What yeah. if what if it's the sequel to the Tree of Life and it's just like instead of like a Midwest family, it's like a modern family of like musicians, like hot musicians, and then it like intersects with like the universe ending, like the heat death of the universe. Wow, I'm 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 just uh, going over again this this cast list that you read and it's, damn, <laughs> just Michael Fassbender and Ryan Gosling alone. I don't know if I can handle that on screen at the same time. That's just too much. Uh, wow, like how do, you... yeah, and then you have Natalie Portman and Christian. Oh my god, like, damn, and then Val Kilmer for no reason. <laughs> Did he lose weight? I yeah. don't think so. Again, I mean, who knows? Who knows? I'm just picturing him from Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. <laughs> he looked good in that movie. He was good. He was all right. Was I mean, bad. I feel like that's a good a good look for him at this point in his life. Yeah, and yeah. he should get back to that. Yeah. So. Which, by the way, speaking of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, mm-hmm. uh, that director slash writer is the guy doing the next Iron Man Shane movie. Shane Black, yeah, he's doing Iron Man 3. I did not know that until recently. I'm excited now. I'm, I'm, I was really worried about Iron Man 3, specifically... Because I saw I saw the trailer and I thought, oh, they're going dark. Yeah. And what makes Iron Man great is the fact that it's not dark. It's funny right. and it's fun. Um, yeah, it's enjoyable. And it's like we superheroes. Yeah. And I know some would argue with me on this, but Iron Man made the Avengers, in my opinion. I mean, that was. It, well, it, I, I will say that. Well, I I did are you, like. Are the you Hulk. speaking specifically in the movie, or are you speaking like from a, a grander standpoint of like they couldn't have done Avengers without the Iron Man movie? Because I'll agree with that. Um, yeah, there's there's that, and I would I just thought I just thought I, I just thought the yeah. Iron uh, um just the the any scene with Tony Stark and it's like yep this is going to be solid and funny and great, and yep. it almost always was. Although you are right, the Hulk. Did steal the show? I, I mean, pound we, for pound, the Hulk. Not was, to go was my favorite part. Up, oh, okay. Hey-o. Not not to go back to news, but we're gonna do that. I did uh, hear a rumor that the Hulk portions of the Avengers were so strong and people liked them so much that now they are planning on doing another Hulk movie and adapting World War Hulk. 
Planet Hulk. I well, guess. Planet Hulk, Planet Hulk first. would be the movie, and then World War Hulk would be like the third Marvel or yeah. Avengers movie. Yeah, that's that's the that's the plan. Which I don't know. That'd be interesting. That would be interesting. You got to be really careful though, because part of the appeal of a character like the Hulk is that he's a part a part of a cast. Oh, absolutely. He's, he's part of an ensemble. And if you want to make him the main man, you, you got to be really careful. There's with a it. reason the first two Hulk films didn't work, right? And now, granted, isn't the only reason why. It granted, didn't work Planet Hulk the first time. Planet Hulk makes him out to be more of a, a makes the Hulk himself out to be more of like a character that you can relate to and right, like, right, right. you know has dialogue. Mm-hmm. So, but but again, how are you going to do that? You have to transition into that. So it, it's an interesting concept. Yeah. I, I would not be against it. What they need to do is stop this revisiting of the Hulk TV show. That needs to stop. Yeah, no, no more Hulk TV. That's why. That's why it was terrible. No. But all right. Well, before we go, uh, I just wanted to talk about the uh, trailers that we saw. The upcoming ah uh, yes. Just briefly, just real briefly, just some some quick thoughts. So we saw a trailer for uh, Olympus Has Fallen. Yeah. Thoughts. It looks okay. I really always want to like Gerard Butler. I, I I agree, and I agree. and it works out like half the time. <laughs> wow, so, half! I wasn't even going to give him half. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I really like him, and I I think he's a great actor. I just this movie looks like first of all, you're you're making him like a red blooded American, and he sounded like his American accent sounds okay and everything, but it's just like I don't know. Also, there's a movie coming out this year that that, that I that I read about with um uh, I can't even remember his name. Hotel Rwanda. Don, Don Cheadle. Yeah, Don Cheadle. I think Don Cheadle's in it. It might not be him. There's a movie coming out this this year that has a very similar plot. Really? Like, it's like a White House takeover, huh. if I'm not mistaken. Look up on that. See if you can find it. It might be Jamie Foxx, actually. That That's what I'm thinking of. I would be okay with either one of them, because, yeah. Uh, my, my initial thought, the first thing I wrote down was, looks like Die Hard? Only with, like, the president. Only yeah. with the president. And then I thought about it more as I was driving to work. And it's closer to um, Air Force One, but not as interesting because it's Absolutely. not the president. <laughs> right, he's not actually doing, all doing the stuff. Saving. Yeah. The president's like, uh, no, I can't help myself. Whereas in Air Force One, it's like, no, I'm going yeah. to kick some ass. So, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 it could, could be interesting. It could be fun. Yeah. That's that's about all I'll say of it. White House Down. Is yeah, that what you're thinking of. There you go. Upcoming, White House. Down. White House Down. <laughs> Upcoming like, American action thriller directed by Ronald Emmerich, Channing Tatum, Jamie Foxx, and Maggie Gyllenhaal. Jamie Foxx plays the President of the United States. Uh, and I, and from what little I know about it, I'm pretty sure it's the, the same but, idea. But this one has Morgan Freeman as somebody. I forget who he becomes Morgan? he becomes the president. This is actually the prequel to uh, Deep Impact. Is it? Okay, yeah. yes. Okay, so this all ties together. Beautiful. At, at the Fantastic. very end, whoever plays the current president dies and then everyone's like, "Well, congratulations, let's... Mr. President." And there's an asteroid. And coming. there's an asteroid coming. <laughs> <laughs> and, and aliens. And aliens. <laughs> um so the second It's also the prequel to Dreamcatcher. <laughs> <laughs> they all tie in. It's 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 an intricate web. We also saw the trailer for Red Two, yeah. And my, my 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 initial thoughts was more of the same, not necessarily a bad thing. No, not not at all. I mean, that that pretty much sums it up for me too. I mean, it looks like Red again, but I I enjoyed Red. 
I think there are things you can improve upon it as well. I think it could be sort of like a we mentioned earlier expendables. I think it could be an expendable scenario where they just give us a little bit more of what we want. Because right, I felt right, like right. there there were there were parts of Red where I was like, yeah, just just give me more of old people kicking ass. You know, mm-hmm. give me yeah, more exactly. of Helen Mirren just shooting people. And <laughs> Helen Mirren working uh, a, like a mini gun. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay just, with just, this. Just just give me more a little bit more of that. Uh, so yeah, uh, like I said, yeah, more of the same, not a bad thing. And um, forty two, a biopic about uh, Jackie Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I gotta say, I, I normally hate biopics. I normally yeah. find them wanting, but this looks pretty good. It could, be, it could be good. Yeah. First off, it has anything with Alan Tudyk. I, I automatically will yeah. just give a shot, just because I really like him in just about everything he's done. I'm like, hey, Alan Tudyk's working. That's great. Yeah. If I'm being objective, I, I think the movie does have a lot of promise. Uh, I'm actually surprised that, that I don't know. Has there ever been like another really big like Jackie Robinson movie before? I Not that I'm aware of. No. Um, so it's a good story. The only thing that gives me reservations, and it's it, it doesn't really have much to do with the movie itself, is the fact that they had to use like rap music in a. <laughs> In a trailer in a for trailer. a historical, yeah, a very historic, historically important movie potentially. Um, that always just sort of turns me off. It's fine if it's like, what was that gang movie that came out recently with? Uh, oh, uh, Gangster Squad. Yeah, Gangster Squad. It's fine if you're doing it for something like that, where it's like historical fiction, basically, and it's but like this is, glamorized. This is but this is like a, a pretty story. big deal, yeah, like and a really it's a pretty big, big deal, part yeah. of of civil rights when you really think about yeah, it. I mean, so. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I get that they're trying to market it and get it get it out there, and that's yeah. what's going to draw people in. But so. that just always pisses me off when it's any kind of historical movie with a lot of like you know precedents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I I might go see it. Like I said, normally I despise biopics. Yeah. Uh, normally I'm just never enjoying them. But hey, who knows? This this one might surprise me. Okay. Well, that's all we have uh, for this week on End of the Critic. Uh, I'd like to thank my co-host Matt Schaefer and uh, producer Parker uh, for helping me out here. Also, uh, I would like to thank Bobby Fatboy Roberts for the use of our theme song off the Geek Remixed albums. You can find them at geekremix.com. They're free to download. Check them out. Uh, And uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye -bye. (laughs) Bye-bye.